So you know what I was thinking about the other day? Hmm. We are potheads. Potterheads. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Bam. And this is The Dueling Broomsticks, a podcast where we talk about all of the Harry Potter movies with the help of our friends. And who do we have with us tonight, Bam? We have my good friend, Prosecco. And I have Ultra Infusion Slime and Prickly Pear Cactus. And y'all, this is delicious. Both of these are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yes, welcome back to another episode. <laughs> uh... Is this the drunk episode? I think it is. Okay. If, you, if y'all couldn't tell already. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is year six episode titled The Slug Club. Yeah, we hope you guys got our invite. Well, hopefully if you're listening to us already. On Twitter. Also, you can follow us at Twitter at the underscore DB podcast and on Instagram at the Dual and Broomsticks podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with our summary. Dumbledore has tasked Harry to befriend the new potions master, Horace Slughorn, in hopes of uncovering a secret that could take down the Dark Lord. But Voldemort has given Draco Malfoy a mission of his own. With tensions rising, love brewing, and the mystery of a half-blood prince, year six is about to pop off. Y'all, this is... Pop off it does. It sure does. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. All I right. think I'm ready. No, give me a minute. Hold on. Prosecco, you good? I'm good. Prosecco's good and bubbly. Prosecco's good. My ultra infusion slime and prickly pear cactus is also ready. Let's rock and roll. All right, we got this. So this movie, we start off kind of where the previous movie left off, which is the aftermath of Wizarding World finally accepting that Voldemort is indeed back. And the Death Eaters are wreaking havoc, not only in the Muggle world, but also in the Wizarding world as well. We see the scene with the bridge. The scene in Diagon Alley. The scene in Diagon Alley. And then when Ron and Hermione are telling Harry that things are just not right and there's a possibility that they weren't even going to go back to Hogwarts this year. Yeah, she was like, my parents are muggles and even they know something's not right. Exactly. So like for muggles to kind of be aware of shit popping off already, like that's strong indicator that shit, shit's not right. So... This movie, we don't have a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. We have a new potions master, Horace Slughorn. Which I think he was, he's better. Than Snape? Okay, let me rephrase. He's more, I don't know, he kind of gives his students a little more incentive to want to excel. I suppose so. Slughorn is also a Slytherin. Oh, maybe that's why I like him. Isn't it strange both Slughorn and Snape, who are potions masters, are both are, Slytherin? Are both Slytherin? Mm. Is that a thing y'all do? Yeah, just make... You know, and I was thinking about that today, bro. Mm -hmm. I think if I were to be a teacher at Hogwarts, I would do potions. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Why? Is that interesting? That's interesting, I suppose. Like, what what would you teach if you were a professor at Hogwarts? Probably, like, Transfiguration. I knew you were going to say that. Like, if McGonagall? Yeah, McGonagall. But I like, I literally, I had never thought about it. But when you told me and I thought about it just now, I was like, Whatever the fuck McGonagall does, like, that shit's cool. Yeah. She's I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I really can't see myself doing anything else. I'm not going to do divination. I'm not going to teach (laughs) choir. You won't do ancient runes? I'm not going to do ancient (laughs) runes. I'm not going... I don't know how to master beasts, okay? Have y'all met my cat? Haven't mastered it. Oh, my God. So, I think 
That's just, I think that's where I would be. Okay. Transfiguration. And it's I w- badass. So. I would, yeah, I would say you would do that or um, defense against the dark arts. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I think they need a Gryffindor in that post. We don't know what Coral was, but, um, or Lockhart or anybody else, really. Bro, Lockhart, we, we, well, if Lincoln. he is a Slytherin, we don't claim him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. now you don't claim I'm, him? I love him. I would die for him, but I don't claim him. Slytherins, we do not. Unless you are a Slytherin, then write to us. Let us know, but I, no. <laughs> I guess I would either do, yeah, Transfiguration or Defense Against the Dark Arts. Those would be my two. But yeah, he is the new potions master. First impressions, what do you think? So I didn't like that he immediately shows Harry his, like, wall of kids that are quote-unquote his. <laughs> He's very le- leechy. I don't know if that's the word. He He will only pay attention to you if he thinks that you're gonna grow up to be somebody awesome you know like I he won't waste his time with someone that he thinks won't in the long run help him out later on does that make sense and we see that throughout the whole movie Mm -hmm. you know kind of how he just he never remembers Ron's name even though he's (laughs) Wallenby or Winby or whatever like it's it's always something else which is I mean it's messed up he's met him on multiple occasions and he said any friend of yours is a friend of mine and yet he doesn't remember his name Mm-hmm. I think it's messed up. I'm not a big fan of that particular trait of his, but overall, I mean, he seems nice, but he, he seems decent. Yeah. Yeah. But he does seem, uh, interesado. Oh sense. yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I, interesado. Mm. Spanish y'all. <laughs> and kind of interesting to see, we finally see a Slytherin who isn't like right off the bat bad. Y'all, y'all Slytherin's always like, oh, there's a Slytherin, watch out, so on and so forth. Hey, it, I'm not, it's not me saying it. Hmm. That's not me saying it. Okay. J.K. Rowling wrote it and the movies showed it. She sure did, right? Mm-hmm. So, but. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Because he does say to Dumbledore, like, hey, I'm, you can only say no to the Death Eaters so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, he's looking out for himself. He's not, at first, he's not. <coughs> He's not going with Dumbledore and he's not following the Death Eaters. He's just kind of looking out for number one for himself. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not, quote unquote, following the tide of the bad wizard or something like that. Yeah. Which many, many could say, many could say are Slytherins. But we're not. Um, I don't know. But yes, I mean, it's it's interesting to kind of see a Slytherin in a different light. Even though they don't make it too apparent that he is a Slytherin, but we know that he's a Slytherin. Actually, yeah, they don't go into Like, they don't it. say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Slytherin, but this is but the example. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For all of you out there who think that we're haters on particular houses, <laughs> yes, we are, but... We I just got evenly. hated on on my own show, guys. <laughs> but we hate evenly. We're like South Park. Mm. Or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a great show. So speaking of hate, hating on houses, uh, we did get two emails from two Hufflepuffs. One congratulating us on the show. So thank you. Thank you, Puff Puff. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And then we also got uh, another one that would like to have some Hufflepuff representation slash stop the hatred on Hufflepuff. And, you know, when y'all do better, I'll do better. I was going to say, calls it like a season, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I feel like I said nice things about Cedric. Yeah. No, Cedric was fine. After 
Harry helped him. He was fine. Oh, I thought you were going to say after he died. I was like, no. oh. I was like, God damn. <laughs> no. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but let's return. Let's return to the movie. There's a lot of love going on. Lots of uh, lovey-dovey couples kind of happening. So much, man. Okay, who here, out of me and you, <laughs> there's no one else. Me, you, my plush tiger, my plush Snape, and my plush Hector Puentes. Uh, out of all of us, who here saw Harry and Ginny happening? Uh, nobody's hand is raised. Nobody's hand is raised. <laughs> nobody's. Nobody's hand is raised. And... I can't remember if we mentioned this or not. These episodes have been recorded out of order, so I don't even know it's true anymore. I know. I want to say I said something like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you do see Ginny kind of looking at Harry longingly in uh, Order of the Phoenix. But mm-hmm. but it's like not enough for someone to from there be like, oh, she's going to be the love interest or something like that. Right. Yeah. It came very left field for many reasons, especially because they do certain things to make you think something is different. But maybe now if I think about it, maybe it's not. So at the beginning, we see Harry talking to this girl before he goes off with Dumbledore. He's kind of like macking on her. He seems kind of fine. He seems open to kind of talking to her. When they're at George and Fred's shop, they tell her like, oh, you're doing fine in the love department. We do see him, Harry kind of look like, oh, like what? Like you're talking to somebody? But a lot of it just kind of came left field. And then Dumbledore asks Harry, hey, is there something going on with you and Hermione? Like, why did they do that? They keep turning your attention to something else. Then all of a sudden you're supposed to believe that there's some kind of chemistry and some kind of something between Harry and Jenny. Now, we do know that Jenny has had a crush on Harry since Chamber of Secrets, Mm -hmm. but we don't see anything mutual. And all of a sudden we're just supposed to believe that it happens. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. So at the dinner party when she enters and Harry is the only one that stands up. Which, I mean, I kind of get, like, I, I do that too. Like, if, like, if a family member walks in, you get out to that. greet them. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, and then, you know, Hermione's kind of like, oh, Harry liked dessert, you know, and just, like mm-hmm. when they talked about uh, what happened with Ron. And I especially didn't like that one super weird scene where she bends down to tie his shoe. Awkward. Dude, I was like, what? That is so weird. I didn't like that at all, man. And I know in the books, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, which could be incorrect, because again, like I said, I don't know what's true anymore. When they bring it up, it just kind of happens out of nowhere for Harry, where he's just kind of noticing, oh, Jenny's there or she's not there, or, or he's kind of more interested in what she's doing. So maybe that's what they try to do, but it's a bit weird. It's a I bit didn't w- totally buy it. So I understand the entire parallel with Hermione being sad about Ron and Lavender, which I will dive into in a minute because no, do not ship that at all. But anyways, <laughs> and when Hermione's like, oh, like, how do you do it when you see Ginny with Dean? Dean. He just says like, oh, it feels shitty. Or no, no, no. She like says throws, it, it feels like this. It feels like after. this. Like it's so sad. Yeah. After she like mm-hmm. sends the birds to attack Ron. Right. And I get the whole parallel of you want to be with someone, but you can't kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Hermione and Ron, that's been brewing for years. Yeah, that I believe. That I believed. Yeah. Harry and Ginny, though. Nowhere. Yeah. And then for Hermione to be like, oh, I've seen how you look at her. I'm like, when, Hermione, please point that out to me. Please. Exactly. Yeah. There was like one scene before that where he was actually like looking at her. And it's like, OK. But I mean, Hermione is very smart. 
but the rest yeah, of yeah, she's not very, very perceptive, smart. and she even says that in this movie. She's yeah. like, I'm very perceptive, and yes, you are. But yeah, I I do not. I did not get yeah. that at all. I kind of want you to think that there's something going on with Harry and Hermione. I mean, people say that all the time because, again, they're they're a trio, so that their dynamic is different, right? I mean, he kind of has his own relationship with Hermione and he has his own relationship with, Lon- with Ron. Like, exactly. Like, uh, I think we talked about this in Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I think my friend's hot. I think it's more of a, oh, wow, like... She is beautiful, you know, and they even talk about that in this movie, too. Like, why do you think Dean's with Ginny? Oh, because she has nice skin. That scene is so funny. <laughs> I don't know. As skin goes, you know, she's got nice skin. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then Hermione. And then, yeah, when they talk about Hermione, it's like, oh, Hermione's got nice skin. Harry is acknowledging, yeah, my friend is beautiful. Ron is. Ron is being Ron. Dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ron is being Ron. And he <sighs> pissed me off this movie so, so much. So much. Then there's Ron and Lavender, which, you know, Lavender really annoys crap out of me. She really does. But if I have to give her any credit, she at least knew what she wanted and she went after it and she tried to protect what at the time was hers. Man, she sure did. I mean, she did, you know, she kind of little by little, but Hermione kind of does the same thing, but a little bit differently. So at least, she, you know, J.K. Rowling is kind of writing these uh, kind of very forward and direct women in a sense. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Hermione, even in the previous movies, she's always like, oh, well, I was thinking about asking you. Like, even in this movie, when she's talking about the party that Slughorn is going to have, she goes, well, I was actually thinking about inviting you. She's up front and accepts her feelings and kind of is going after what she wants, though it doesn't pan out because, again, Ron is very dense. So it literally has to take the girl kissing him. In order for him to be like, oh, you like me. And in this movie, I feel like in a way, Hermione is kind of a little dense because she's like, oh, I was under the impression we were going to go to Slughorn's party together. When he never did confirm. She just kind of put it out there. Neither of them ever did anything. Not saying the ball always has to be in Ron's court. But this time, like you said, she did initiate it like, oh, I was going to ask you. But after that, nothing was ever said that we see anyways in the movie. She always does throw the ball in his court. She does. You know, yeah. like Hermione, has Ron ever shown you that he is that kind of perceptive? Like, no. I think she not. expects too much of him. Yeah, I can And her. yeah, I just, I, you know, I didn't like seeing my girl cry. That, that was sad. Yeah. It and was sad. It was, that was a good I, job acting uh, on her part. On it, Emma it was a, part, It was a yeah. very touching scene. No, yeah. And then to have her friend comfort her mm-hmm. when he's kind of sort of feeling the same way. Yeah. And then Ron trampling in god what a dumbass you kind of see where he wants to be right because he like kind of leaves lavender to kind of go off and he stays but he's just not there yet i give him two thumbs down in this movie he's (laughs) okay he did have that one good line that i told you about that i really liked which we'll get into when we talk about draco Let's talk about it now because since since we're talking about this scene, yeah. which is I, I my, know you, my favorite, scene. I know scene. you really like this yeah. scene. Uh, it was so beautifully shot. So you have Harry and Hermione, super sad. Hermione's crying. Harry's comforting her. Then the camera pans up, and in that same shot, you see Lavender and Ron, you know, walking up the stairs. We see through a window. They're kissing. They're these are like normal teenage emotions, like heartbreak. You're super into someone. You know, you're making out, shit like that. And then the camera keeps going and you see Draco just like 
so haunted by something like he yeah he's something's like troubling him it's kind of sad because you see all these other people like going through normal 16 year old emotions and he's over here like just tormented by yeah. this one thing that he inevitably has to do that is my favorite scene of the whole movie so david yates snaps i'm snapping it is a very good contrast like you said between mm-hmm. where different people are at the exact same at the exact time same time, and they're in, yeah, in the same yeah. stage, they're on totally different levels. Like, yeah. They totally are. And Drago Malfoy, let's get into him. He has been bestowed a task by Lord Voldemort. Um, he's been tasked to kill Dumbledore. And you see it, like, even Dumbledore's like, you're no killer. You know, Draco knows he's not, but he's like, I have to, or else yeah. he's going to kill me. Yeah. Like, he is now the... the quote-unquote, man of the house, you know, and and that yes. sucks, dude. Because his dad his is in dad. prison. Mm-hmm. We see it in the news clipping, which I never got this in previous time, just in the, the last two times that I watched it. Last two times, yeah, because I've seen it a billion times. Uh, <laughs> um, in the news clipping, Malfoy, Sr., Lucius Malfoy, is in prison because of the events of... At the Ministry. At the Ministry yeah. of Magic. And he is kind of been thrusted into this head of household Mm -hmm. role. And, of course, they're involved in the whole Death Eater Voldemort uh, society plan, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you can can really see how it's taken its toll on him. I mean, I've never really liked Malfoy, but in all the other movies, you've seen him with some kind of light, some kind of energy. He's, so it's, it's, he's the frat boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's very misguided energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's energy. And in this one, he's drained of it. You you can, like you said, you, you can tell that he's completely haunted and just really struggling with this mission that he has to yeah. do. And we see, so we see it throughout the movie also, Mm -hmm. because while, like I said, that one scene, he's tormented by something. He's just always like by himself thinking. Whenever I see Malfoy, I see him with his goons, you know, in the previous Mm -hmm. movies. And in this one, they're walking to a party. Camera pans out. You see Draco by himself yet again. Like you see it trickle throughout the movie that he, like something's going on with him. Like he has, he's processing something that he has to do. And he's also doing some shady shit in the room of requirement. Absolutely. Which uh, I just, again, this movie might be one of my favorites, man. Like it's up there with Prisoner of Azkaban. Like I loved how it was shot. It was actually, it's actually one of my favorites now. Though he is alone. Or he feels alone. He's actually not alone because he has Snape looking out for him. Yeah. We see that that he has gone through with an unbreakable vow to watch over him and, if needed, to do what Draco has set out to do, which is kill Dumbledore. So if Draco can't do it, he has agreed to do it. Ron goes into it Mm -hmm. and he... He explains, like, if you don't do it, you die. You know, like, this is, like, you have to do it. Yeah. And he does. Both of them are facing death if they don't do what they're supposed to do. If Malfoy doesn't kill Dumbledore, he's going to die. Possibly his mom is going to die. If Snape doesn't take care of Malfoy or if he doesn't kill Dumbledore because Malfoy can't do it, then he's going to die. So they're both facing great enormous doom for them. We don't see a whole lot of Snape other than him just kind of watching out for Malfoy. But Harry notices and he he definitely has his hunch that, that there's something going on, which he's not wrong about. Yeah, Harry was fucking P.I. Harry, dude. I know. <laughs> he was dead on. That scene on I the train, though. I followed him on the map. 
the map's never wrong. Like, he yeah. is on it. Yeah, that scene on the train. I mean, you kind of see Malfoy there really take his frustration and his anger out on Harry in a way that you kind of never really seen him do before. I mean, it's very dark. So, yeah, he's been cruel to him before, but this time... It's he, vicious. Yes, it's so vicious, and he even... Man, what's what does he say? He says something like after it's he breaks his father. nose, it's for my father. Yeah. Didn't your mom ever teach you any not to eavesdrop on people mm-hmm. or something like that? And he's like, oh, wait, she was dead or something like yeah, that. Before, before you could you wipe the drool. Yeah. Off your made chin. a point to bring up his mom. This is for my father. Like he is. Yeah. Like everything was kind of built mm-hmm. up and he took it out on him. But in the scene where Katie Bell has come back after being cursed and Harry and Draco kind of lock eyes and the, they start battling in the bathroom. That scene is so good. Dude, like, okay. really for, what's his name, Tom Felton? Great, phenomenal job. You really can't sympathize with this character, especially, again, after seeing the scene that we saw at the beginning and just everything else is before. Like, you know that he's just, he's really going through it. He's in a tough spot. Like, he, so I'm glad you, you pointed that out. So that scene with Katie... And she, you know, Harry walks up to her and she's like, I wish I could remember, but I don't. And Mm -hmm. then they lock eyes, her and Malfoy, and her demeanor completely changes. I don't know if that was a, like, director's choice or just, Mm -hmm. like, the the actor's choice. But she, although she can't remember, she knows, like, I feel like she knows, like, oh, he had something to do with it. And that's what leads Harry to follow him into that, into that duel in the bathroom. And after they lock eyes, Malfoy runs off. And dude, yeah, he's taking off his tie or what, his sweater vest or something. Yeah. He's like, he's like in anguish. Like, he's like hyperventilating. Yes. Like he's just really breaking down and crying because again, yes, he's a shitty dude and he's been brought up to think horrible things and he has accepted them. But at the end of the day, like, he's just not a killer. Yeah. And these are these are people that he knows and he has like a personal connection. Like he knows Katie Bell. He knows Dumbledore. He knows all these things. And it and really takes a toll on him because, again, that killer coldness it really is not in him. And to be honest, it's, uh, I don't really think it's in any of his family members. That's They're what I was about to say. Now you don't cowards, you don't bone. see it. In, I don't think you see it in Lucius. You do in Chamber of Secrets, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's still very early on. The Dark Lord is has he's around, but he's not like in a body. You know, yeah. he does, he's not freestanding on his own to weaker beings. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I totally agree. Like that or people are what he sees as weaker beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then Harry, too, at the same time, he casts that spell Sectum Sempra on him and I mean, almost kills him, really. And yeah, that, that scene was intense. It's very that powerful. That spell is intense, yeah. It, yeah, and uh, and he gets it from from the Half-Blood Prince's book, who is kind of like this mysterious character who Harry is kind of befriending, kind of how Ginny was with the diary in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, but I, we didn't really see her interacting with it. Obviously, we didn't find out to the end. But it's kind of that relationship to where he's getting this information from this, this book from this mysterious person who he doesn't know. And at first it's very innocent. It just yeah, kind of makes him better. Him, yeah. Potions was what? And his like worst class. Oh yeah. And now he's like the best. Like, exactly. He wins the liquid like he's 
doing him Hermione I love that scene with Hermione is like hair is super big yeah. she's like so like how the fuck are you getting this right and I'm not like yeah. she's so frustrated and yeah now he's like a whiz dude he's yeah. awesome which if which I don't think that he was wrong for using that book Hermione kind of gives him a lot of crap about using it yeah. but I, I don't really think he was wrong of him to use it because if you think about it especially when they're brewing the potion it has instructions in there I mean, if the instructions are wrong, I mean, that's different. I mean, he's reading instructions and he's doing exactly as the book is saying. So, I mean, I don't think it was wrong of him to kind of use it. But I think when he casts that spell and after after that incident, he realizes, um, everybody realizes that it really is time to kind of give it up. It's, It's harmless to use it in potions class, but... In the book, it says four enemies. And the fact that he saw Malfoy as an enemy and kind of chose to use the spell, which he had no idea. Yeah, he has no idea what it does. Exactly. I mean, for all he knows, it literally could have killed him and that would have happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that could have been another Avada Kedavra. Like, he Mm -hmm. doesn't know. But no, I agree. I liked the parallels with with Ginny and the diary. Mm -hmm. And in a way... I kind of see why she was the one to go with him yeah. to go get rid of it. Cause she's been through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, so yes, Hermione was kind of pescering him like throughout the whole movie, but at the same time, his nose was always in that book. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've had their share of like cursed books. So I'm sure yeah. she was like, we've been through this. This was book two, you know, yeah. <laughs> like we're not about to go through the shit again, but dude, I agree with Narcissa and seeking out Snape to watch over her son. Mm. That's that's a mom's love right there. Like she yeah. Well, their family is very close. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that like you said, though we've seen Draco do all kinds of awful things, it he really didn't turn evil until it became personal, until it became about his father. And they're very very tight knit. So, of course, she was going to do something to guarantee that her son cuz She's not okay with it. You can tell that she's not okay with it. Otherwise, she wouldn't be there with Snape asking him to watch over him. Yeah, she she's just looking out for her son, you know, mm-hmm. whereas Bellatrix, her sister, mm-hmm. is like, but he's been chosen. You know, she's not looking at it as this is my nephew. She's, you know, oh, well, this is the Dark Lord's like doing like yeah. he has been chosen. Why are you going to Snape? Like, she is, like, not for it at all. And even Snape gets annoyed. Like, she doubts me. Like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. no. And it was her idea to do the Unbreakable Vow. But I feel like Narcissa would have been fine with just having Snape's word. Like, hey. That's because Bellatrix Strange is looking out for Voldemort. Yeah, she's looking out for the mission. She, mm-hmm. I think, gives zero shits about her nephew. She doesn't care. I'm sure no. she doesn't really care that much about her sister either way. If it came, I, if the, I think if the Dark Lord was like, kill your sister, she'd be like, wait. Oh, no, for How? sure, for Filet sure. her? How? And she's so manipulative, man. Like when she's standing behind Narcissa and she's like, oh, they're just empty words. Mm-hmm. Have him do the bow. Like, I'm just yeah. like, what a bitch. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> but we also see that that Dumbledore, I can't remember if they explicitly mentioned it or not, but he's kind of giving Harry like these lessons where he's showing him all these old memories, these memories that he's collected, kind of giving him little pieces for him to kind of truly understand why it's so important for him to get that memory from slughorn and i I mean we see a lot we see a young tom i really is that your favorite tom so my my favorite tom is teen tom in this movie yeah but i do like this little tom 
And before I always really liked him because I, I was like, yes, like this is this is the Tom Riddle who in my mind makes sense for him as a child. Like it, he's got the dark hair, like, you know, he's a good looking child, but he's creepy. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I remember I was reading the was reading the book before in that chapter where Dumbledore meets him. And I think on second watch after reading the book and then looking at the movie again, he kind of misses the mark a little bit. The, so, the young young Tom does? Yeah, little Tom. Oh, like okay. In the orphanage Tom. Pray tell. Because, so in the book, he kind of goes through a lot of these changes to where he shows Dumbledore that character that he shows everybody. Like, oh yes, I'm nice. Though he kind of doesn't believe it. Like J.K. Rowling kind of tells you, like, you can see that there's this emptiness in there. But he tries, right? He tries to sell you that normalcy, that charisma. But then he also kind of flips out where he kind of tries to demand things of Dumbledore. Like, you know, you're lying. Like, tell me the truth or whatever, what have you. And in the clips that they show us in the movie, he kind of just stays omnius. Yeah, you're totally right. Because right, right from the get-go, he's like, oh, are you a doctor? They want mm-hmm. me looked at. So you already get the sense there's something off with this kid. Yeah. Versus from the book where he's, oh, what's up? Like, I'm Tom. The facade he he's putting out that he wants yeah. everyone else to see versus what we get in the movie. You're you're right. That does miss the mark. And the only time he shows that kind of emotion where it's that switch that is in the book is when Dumbledore, when he tells them to prove that he's a wizard and, and Dumbledore kind of sets the dresser, whatever it's called, on fire. And he kind of lights up, kind of like, oh. And in the book, he kind of more lights up when he he's told that he's a wizard because it kind of like solidifies that feeling that he's always had where he's like different and he's special and so on and so forth. Before, I would say, yeah, that was a great little Tom. And in this part, and I'm not going to judge him too harshly. I mean, he's a kid. I, he, I still think he did a great job. But for sure, obviously, in the book, you kind of get more of that. Oh, this kid is a sociopath or a psychopath for sure. But we do get the clues. You know, we get the photograph of the cave, the seven stones. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, Harry asks Dumbledore, like, did you know then? that he was going to turn out the way he did. And Dumbledore... I know that he says no. Like He no. says like, no. No, I didn't. Yeah. Like, he was very different back then. And that's the same, the same thing that Horace yes. says about him. That's that's what I was going to say. That he he says no, he was different then. And then that parallels to what Slug, Slughorn's reaction, though, is more, like, horrified. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't judge me. Like, he was different then. Kind of like... Yeah. Like, oh, like I was, I feel played, you know, like he used me. And so he's very, like the parallels are there, but you get the same response from people, from the the two guys that knew Tom when he was young. So I don't know. I just thought that was so eerie that they could like, oh, I mean, he was so different then. No one would have thought. And that's why I think Teen Tom in this movie, it was light years better than that whack-ass Tom from Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Frank Delane, which is the actor that plays yes. preteen Tom, is awesome. I yeah. love him. And yes. Well, A, he looks I agree. good. I agree. I think just and physical features, because again, remember, we're always told that Voldemort was very handsome. You know, he's got the dark hair and overall good looking. But to me, I think he did a very good job of portraying that of what I just mentioned about little Tom to where 
he he gives you that normalcy, that very charming and charismatic Tom Riddle. And then you can kind of see his face kind of slowly turn where he's really getting the information that he wants and the enjoyment that he kind of gets out of it. At, at the beginning, when he's telling him about the candy, he's like, oh, I just know. Like, you know, it's very, very charming. And then when he's talking about the Horcruxes and splitting your soul like more than once, you can see that he's getting enjoyment out of knowing that, yes, I can do this and I'm going to do this. And then he switches his back to, of course, sir, it's all academic or whatever yeah, he says. Yeah, it'll, it'll be our little secret. Exactly. Like, you can see that turn from that, I guess I'm really enjoying something I shouldn't be enjoying to the, oh, no, I'm back. I'm a crazy person. You know? So I, I think this Tom gives you exactly the Voldemort that it's supposed to be. And we also see with Slughorn's reaction, because he's like, Merlin's beard, like, split your soul seven times. Mm-hmm. And then, dude, it's so quick, like a light switch. Like like he a can't light believe. He yeah, can't he's believe like, oh, that it's really but happening. But this is all like for academic, right, Tom? Like, you're just, this is all hypothetical. And he's like, yeah, yes, yeah. sir, of course. It'll, it'll be our little secret. But that eeriness that comes with that response, you see it in Slughorn's face. And even when he's giving that memory to Harry, he's so mortified. He's like, please don't think less of me. Like, mm-hmm. You know, this will ruin. He even says that this will ruin me. I feel pretty guilty, like for him. Of course, I mean, like, 100%. the guilt he must have, dude. But do you think Horace at that point did see the the real Tom in that flicker of a moment? Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay, no, never mind. It's not a question. It's more of like a statement. I feel like it was a choice. He chose to not see him for who he was. Absolutely, he chose, and that is what eats at him. Yeah. Like, no, dude, like the signs were there. Dumbledore was the one that kind of always sensed something was off. Yeah. Not that he chose to ignore it, but he just chose to kind of take a mental note. Like, to keep an eye on keep him. Keep an eye on him. Yeah. And yeah. not fully trust all the things that he said yeah. about him. That's why when Hagrid got expelled, Dumbledore knew that Hagrid was innocent. Do you think if he's like, hey, man, it's me, your old professor, I'm good, right? You're not going to kill me? He would for sure say that. I think he would. <laughs> Like if he were to actually face him, like, like, remember, I gave you that idea, bro. I don't think he would kill him because I think he would respect his mind. And if he is a a pure blood wizard, then I think he wouldn't kill him because the way that Tom Riddle is, he's going to use that as an example is, look, I'm kind, I'm merciful, I'm fair. Right. So. I don't think he would kill him either. I think he would, like you said, utilize he, for his own purposes. For his own purposes. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I think. Yeah. Let's talk about, <laughs> I guess, the the events at the light tower. Is that what it's called? Yes. The lightning tower? Light tower? Well, okay. So really quickly, I just want to say the scene where he's handing him the memory and he tells him the story of the fish. What a beautiful story. Dude, I was crying i was like no uh when we meet slughorn that he's like oh yeah your mom was in you know one of my pupils like she was awesome she was great she was so talented this and that and then when that story comes into play when when harry takes the liquid luck and he hears the story of the fish dude that is so sad and yeah. he like and like like he said like he knew Oh, the fish was gone one day and and I just knew. I knew what that meant. Then Lily was gone. And I was like, no. Yeah. That's so fucking sad, dude. Like you said, it was he said it was a beautiful 
piece of magic. And we kind of see Hermione do the same thing with the birds. Like it's like a, a thing that she did on her own. And it kind of just shows you, I mean, we see magic be done a lot of defensively or, or to cause harm or just to do like regular normal tasks. But, you, you know, it kind of gives you a little glimpse of, of some of the, just the more peculiar and just really special ways that magic like can be used and is used. When Harry uses that to his advantage, like, do you know why I survived? You know, it was because of her. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, the story you just told me, like, super sad, but she, you know, died for me. So be brave like her. Like, give like, please, like, give me that. Well, he doesn't beg, but he's like, give me that memory. Like, be brave like her. But I mean, I mean, here we find out about the Holcroxes and what they are and and that we've seen them before. We've seen them in the diary and we see the ring and we kind of see which is a nugget for the future. But we see kind of how the ring interacts with Harry after Dumbledore kind of tells him that he's destroyed the ring, but it's come at a terrible cost. We see that his hand is like decaying and so on and so forth. But he takes them on the journey to find. Yeah, he's like, I think I found one. Yeah. And they take him. They go to the cave Mm -hmm. really quick. I do want to point out that while he's like explaining the ring, right? Or like what Horcruxes are and Harry touches them. He like takes too long. He's like, oh, but. And then Harry touches them. He's like. But they have like memories. Like it's like <laughs> it's like speed it up and tell me before I touch this thing. Like, yeah. oh my God. Like it like took a beat and I was like, what the fuck, Dumbledore? <laughs> but I'm sorry, it's not the point that I think Dumbledore has a theory and he he holds out to test his theory. You paused a little too long for Harry mm-hmm. to touch that fucking ring. Exactly. But it, yeah. But yes. It's kind of like when you give someone something you think is gonna blow up and you just kinda wait to see if it does or not. Or like like when you light a firecracker yeah. and it doesn't go off and then you're like, oh, and then it does. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, the, the cave. They find the locket and they come back to try to destroy it. Dumbledore is very, very weak. And that's when he kind of sends Harry off to go get Snape because he tells him it, it has to be Snape. He makes it a point to tell him, don't get anybody else. Speak to nobody else. Get Snape. And definitely because I'm, I'm pretty sure that he knows what's about to happen. And who is about to be there. And again, he's thought all this out. Malfoy and all the Death Eaters come. And that scene where he's telling Draco, like, this is not you. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you don't you don't have to do this. He really does try to spare him and save him in that way. And Draco's just kind of like, I, I have to do this. And, and, he, and, he, and he kind of releases or he tells him why he has to do this. Like, I have to do this or he's going to kill me. You yeah, know, great, like, great acting by Tom Felton. Yeah. I felt so bad for Draco. Yeah. Okay, but it's also the way he's projecting himself to his peers. He's like, oh, Hogwarts. I have better mm-hmm. things to do, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But he's also trying to like make light of the situation he's in. He's like, okay, I'm getting tasked now. Like I'm getting tasked to do this. I'm going to, if I proceed with this, maybe he'll give me something else to do. He's cornered. He's straight up cornered. Yeah. And just awesome acting by Tom Felton because. You really do feel it. I felt it. I mean, it, if dude. you didn't feel it, you're the anguish. cold, dead hearted. And I'm cold and dead hearted, but I felt it. Mm, for a Gryffindor? Yeah. Mm. I felt it. Okay. Anywho, but, you know, Snape comes out and, and he ends up killing Dumbledore in a, in a very powerful scene because Harry is watching. And he's always had reservations about Snape. He always thinks that he has different intentions. I mean, even Lupin tells him, like, you're blinded by like, your hatred and all the stuff like that. He by tells your, him. your personal feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And here, to him, like, this will just, like, solidify 
that like, yes, yeah, Snape is a traitor. He can't be trusted. He killed Dumbledore. Again, Dumbledore is a very special person to him. He really does hold him in such high regard and, and so does everybody else. And to see him kind of be taken down, especially like in secret, it's very heartbreaking for him, especially the fact that he couldn't do anything about it. And even before that scene, when they're in that cave, he tells them like, no matter what happens, like you cannot save me. And that's, and that, and that's a very difficult decision when you decide to obey, like, Hey, don't save me no matter what. I mean, that's yeah, tough. Dude. Yeah. It's a very powerful scene and, and kind of just of the aftermath that this huge giant, like he's kind of loved by many people and he's gone. That's the end of it. There's also that it's like a quick beat where he, like, like you said, like Harry's kind of below watching everything unfold. And then we see that Snape is down there with him. But he kind of is like, hey, like, he's like puts his finger to his mouth. He's like, shh, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So Harry's thinking, all right, he's going to go up and defuse the situation. So he feels bamboozled. And like, like he tells him, like, he trusted you at yeah, the end like, when yeah. they're... You know, he trusted you. Yeah, he trusted you. How could you? And then he reveals that he is the half blood prince, which is yeah, because he tries to use the spell uh-huh. again. Like he's yeah, he was that upset. He saw what the spell already did, and he's like, "Fuck you, dude!" Like yeah. I'm about to cut you up. Yeah. And yeah, Snape, this this is. I, Snape's like, nah, nah, you yeah, like, you're gonna like use that. your final spell against me, homie. And it's just crazy. And I think it's also like almost a double blow because beginning he has this relationship with the half-blood prince where he trusts him and he's kind of getting him what he needs and then it kind of turns sour when he realizes that it's oh, that it's oh. Snape, someone who, who he saw just betray one of his friends mm-hmm. so a double blow yeah for harry right there yeah back to back and it just kind of makes snape that much more of a complicated character as we will see later on indeed we will but uh, another victory for the dark side. Yeah, another W Lord. right there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is right before the finale. I do like right, uh, I think it's at the end, when Harry's like, oh, the locket was a fake. We mm-hmm. did all that for nothing. And that coupled with Dumbledore's death is the reason he's like, I'm, I'm going to continue like what he was doing. Like, I'm not coming back here. And I like that beat with his friends where Hermione's like, you mean we like you're not gonna do this on your own Mm -hmm. and as we see like this trio has really gone through so much together and so for harry to continue to kind of be like no like i'm gonna go on my own like it's like no homie like you need help you were just with dumbledore and this ended up being a fake so i did like that that was kind of like the catalyst for for him he thinks dumbledore died for nothing like i i need to continue like i now know the way to defeat him you know like he finally has that secret i like the ending kind of somber we know what's gonna happen well we they say it like oh we're gonna go hunting for some horcruxes and just kind of gets me excited for for what's to come i mean yeah it it really does keep you like on the edge of seat Mm -hmm. the real ship begins i mean he has to find these horcruxes which like dumbledore said they can be ordinary objects they could be anything and they have to go find it no one really knows anything about tom riddle he, he's kept his past very mysterious and elusive so it just it just makes the stakes that much higher yeah when you when you think about it so the diary okay yeah that's a horcrux like i can see that that mm-hmm. was personal to him the ring we see he's like playing with it and that memory with slughorn so it was his possession we we know that and then the locket 
And then the rest of them, I would not have known, dude. Like that, that to me, like I would have probably guessed the diary and the ring, but the rest of them wouldn't have known where the fuck to find them, dude. Yeah. So I did want to quickly mention the attack at the borough. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Not in the books. So was it unnecessary? It was completely unnecessary because I I want you to go ahead and read what you found on there about the attack on the borough. Further background of Tom Riddle was removed, like the information on the gods, because they felt it more important to concentrate on Riddle as a young boy, which I get. Sure. Uh, They also included an additional action scene at the borough, and it was added to keep with the tone of the franchise. Yates, David Yates, felt that they needed, quote, an injection of jeopardy and danger, end quote, and that without it, there was too much comedy and lightness. So comedy, eh, sure, but we had cursed objects. You know, we had mm-hmm. people getting cursed, Ron almost dying, <laughs> the Quidditch scene, like the tryouts, slughorns, like parties and stuff. So yes to the lightness, but like I've like like I, we were talking about earlier, there's also that parallel that like there's something looming. Like when we pan to Draco when because all those scenes of him by himself, you're like, what is he doing? Like, what are you doing, dude? So you know it's nothing good. So I agree and I disagree with the comedy and the lightness and the, the needed additional scene with the attack of the burrow because that was not in the books. So No, I it, it wasn't in the books, and I don't agree with the need to make it darker. I feel like the darkness was always there, and it was always very evident. In the scene where Kitty Bell like, gets cursed, it's really creepy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's very dark and there's multiple, like, murder attempts on Dumbledore's lives. So that threat of imminent doom is there. And I, I think that attack, like, on the borough, to, to be honest, it really didn't go anywhere. Because as we'll see later, it really does, doesn't really go anywhere. I don't think that was necessary. Yeah, if, if he was trying to show just how brazen the Death Eaters were getting, like... We are aware of that already. Like, yeah, we already know. They're attacking the Muggle world. And like, they killed Sirius in the previous one. Yeah, oh. they've kidnapped Ollivander. Like, we already know this. Was mm-hmm. I supposed to say that? Yeah, that happens in you this movie. You can say it, yeah. Okay. I mean, we don't know that's Ollivander, but you can say it. Well, we see that Ollivander's is closed. somebody. Yeah, and we see that Ollivander's is closed. Yeah. And... Yeah, so it's like we already know that they're getting super, like, ballsy. I mean, they say throughout the movie, too, like, uh, a lot of the shops close in Diagon Alley. You know, obviously people not wanting to go back to Hogwarts. I mean, there's so much already happening. The whole movie tells you that shit is going down and people see it and people are scared and people are taking precaution and so on and so forth. So uh, I don't, again, not necessary. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't necessary. We already see the lightness coming through with the Weasley twins store and how even Ron says it like, Oh, they feel like people need like, mm-hmm. a, like a bit of laughter or something, especially nowadays. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. That's where that, we land. Uh, sorry in advance for how long this is, but you know, we had to re-record. We had some Prosecco, a little brewski. Oh, we talked about a lot though. though. Again, there was a lot. And there's, yes, and there's, there's a, a lot l- that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So so sorry, not sorry. Again, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode, our special episode. Where we kind of go back in time to book one, to movie one, The Sorcerer's Stone. And take a closer look at our two leading guys. Before we get to the end. Once again, I'm Jess. And I'm Bam. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at the underscore DB podcast and on Instagram at the Dueling Broomsticks podcast. 
We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Adios. Bye.